0: Hi, I'm Rachel Lindsay, a sports reporter at the Buffalo News. Welcome to Stories Behind the News, a podcast that will highlight and dig further into some of the in-depth work by reporters at the Buffalo News. Adam Ziegler drew cartoons at Darien Lake, an amusement park about an hour east of Buffalo, he also studied computer science at Canisius College, a small Jesuit school in Buffalo. Little did he realize that he was opening the door to becoming one of the nation's most renowned editorial cartoonists. He joined the Buffalo News as an intern in the graphics department while at Canisius, and he became the editorial cartoonist of the News in 2004. Through pencil, ink, and artistry, and a little bit of attitude, he's chronicled the passion that Western New York has for the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres. He's designed commentary on universal issues such as mental health and depression, domestic violence, and the gender wage gap, and has created witty and sometimes biting animated commentary in depicting local and national politicians and how issues affect us here in Western New York. In 2015, the Pulitzer Prize Board awarded Adam with the highest honor in journalism, the Pulitzer Prize for Editorial Cartooning. On this episode... I'm speaking with Adam about his path in journalism and his work at the news on the stories behind the news. Adam, thanks for joining me today on the stories behind the news. I'm really looking forward to sitting down and talking with you a little bit about your career path, the work you do as an editorial cartoonist here at the news. And I don't get to see a lot of you in the newsroom because we're not in the newsroom right now. So again, thank you for taking the time. I'm gonna start with just a general question. How did you get your start in editorial cartooning? You didn't have a traditional journalism background or degree, you majored in computer science at Kinesias, you minored in math and you studied studio arts. How did you become an editorial cartoonist?
1: Well, that's um well, first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate some some social time right now during COVID. It's good to see your face. Um, and yeah, it's it's great to to take a break and talk about cartooning. Um most cartoonists don't really have, like there is really no traditional path to editorial cartooning. Because I mean, like if you wanted to become a reporter, you go to journalism school, and I mean, cartoon, there's no really focus on cartooning there's no major in editorial cartooning or in journalism school you can't you know concentrate in cartooning so every cartoonist has their own way to get at it I never I always w- like love drawing growing up but I, I didn't think I was going to make it a career um, when I was in when I was in high school I was you know really interested in math and um, and art but I didn't really put them together um, I thought my my way of putting the two sides of my brain together was like computer graphics. So I went to Canisius, uh, I was drawn to the graphics program in computer science. And I thought this was a great way to sort of combine the critical thinking side of my brain to the creative side. And I was inspired by like the Pixar movies coming out and there was a Canisius alum that had won a technical Oscar for doing Yoda's hair. And um, so that was cool, but I, going to Canisius, I I realized that that career path was very sort of pigeonholed where I would have to either be the math guy coding someone's artwork or I would be, you know, I'd be on a big team or I would be, I'd have to be the artist um, and I'd have to go for like animation or art. So I realized my vision of, you know, what I wanted wasn't coming to fruition. And at the same time, I joined the school newspaper and I was drawing cartoons every day. Um, At first on student life issues and just kind of, I had a little comic strip um, and poking fun at stuff around campus, sort of getting feedback and seeing the power of having a voice even in a small community. Um, And then after 9-11, my work shifted political uh, to a political theme. I, you know, until you live through history, it's hard to really be that interested in it, you know? Um, So I was just sucked into like, why did this happen? you know, what brought America to this point. And so I started drawing cartoons on the Bush administration and the the ramp up to the Iraq war. And I just loved it. I loved sort of, you know, uh, having this little, this four by five inch space that was my own, you know, instead of, you know, in the computer science and software side, I'd be a big member of a team or small member of a big team. This was all me. And it's a big responsibility, I realized when I would irritate somebody on campus or upset a group, I, we talked to them and I got a taste of what it was like. So I decided to write my honors thesis on cartooning because I could pick any topic. Um, and just one thing led to another. I, I realized there was an opening at um, the Buffalo news after Tolles had left after nine 11, he took her blocks position at the Washington post. I sent some stuff in, you know, didn't get a response, but I was encouraged by my editor to just walk in with a portfolio and, you know, I just I took a chance. I gave them my book. I said I could do uh, my, my approach was I could be like a Swiss army knife. I threw at them editorial illustrations, graphic design. I designed the, the newspaper um, as the art director. I illustrated a technical book so I could do all these different things. So I got a break. Margaret Sullivan, you know, gave me an internship in the art art department with the idea that I would, you know, start doing local cartoons. So it was, it, you know, it wasn't my grand plan at first. It just kind of things kind of naturally went in that direction when I was finishing Canisius.
0: You mentioned Tom Tolls, the former News and Washington Post editorial co- cartoonist. And it sounds like he had a huge impact on you as well from what I've read. And I know he recently retired from the Post. Did you grow up, you know, seeing his work? Did that in any way inspire you to become an editorial cartoonist as well, the impact he had on you?
1: I mean, I, I definitely grew up really admiring Tom Toles and before I was, you know, as a younger kid, I mean, I just thought it was really cool and it was really fascinating. I didn't always get all the cartoons because, you know, I wasn't into current events at the time, but I thought like, this is pretty, this is pretty awesome. Um, and my first real exposure to him was I, I won the news. We, I, I host now an editorial cartoon contest for for kids, for students. And when I was in middle school, I I won like second or third place and it was very re, super exciting. I got to go into the news and I met Tom when I was in middle school and I just remember him being like the tallest person on earth. He was like a tree, you know, he's just like this, he's a tall guy. And as a kid, it was really, he was intimidating, it's really sweet, um, you know, really inspiring event. I remember just being in awe, like walking into the Buffalo News, like this is like an institution, you know, this is just the power of this place. So that was really powerful for me early on. Um, you know, growing growing up and discovering cartoons, though, um, you know, I was influenced by so many different artists, um, like you know Jack Davis, David Levine, who illustrated the New York Review of Books. So, like, my influences were kind of not really political cartoons. But when I really started getting into politics and and and, and sort of getting into current events, I realized how brilliant Tom was, and his writing is just was the most unique and intelligent, I feel like in the field. So, um, you know, we've kind of formed like a friendship, you know, since I took the spot there, but yeah, I mean, he's, it's definitely, he holds a very unique place and and it's a huge, it was a huge honor, like taking his position. Like everybody would ask me like big shoes to fill. I don't know, man. You know, I mean, every time I'd meet somebody. So I was constantly (laughs) reminded of, of his greatness. Um, which is which is awesome, you know, he's, he's just a, a local institution.
0: You know, did you feel as if you had to kind of live up to what Tom did or did you take the mentality of, you know, I have to kind of run my own race as well, this guy has a great influence on me, like you said, so many other people did, but I have to forge my own identity and that's very important in journalism is finding your own voice.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, it's cartooning in particular, it's, it's vitally important that you're original, that you stand out. And um, so I think you run into trouble when you um, are too influenced by somebody. And I think there are cartoonists, I mean, I like to, I'm, like a, I'm a student of history and I like to take the long view. So I know when I was studying cartooning in college, um, I saw that like cartoonists like uh, McNally and Oliphant were so influential that other, and, and Jim Borgman they're so influential that other cartoonists of the day would imitate their style. Um, and it would just almost, you know, they would lose the originality they had and it would limit their careers, I think, and limit just the the individuality um, of a cartoonist and the personality that you can have. So, you know, I, I, I think that was a bit of a mistake. And I, I also, even before that, like, um, you know, in the age of Herblock, block, block had his own visual style that many cartoonists emulated as well. Um, so when I got, interested in cartooning and I had this opportunity at the news I didn't see the position as just following in Tom's filling his shoes I saw it as the the Buffalo News in general had a huge strong tradition in cartooning they went beyond Tom you know to Bruce Shanks Um, and so it wasn't just Tom I was also taking the position that Bruce Shanks held and Tom and Bruce were you know polar ends visually of the cartooning spectrum and conceptually too so I didn't feel any pressure to be like a Tom Tolles. I actually, it was actually freeing knowing that I was very different, like stylistically. I, I was drawn to more sp- strong visuals and you know single panel, um, letting the imagery tell the story more. And Tom was much more of a writer in heart, at heart. So I think our our differences allowed me to not feel that pressure, well, but I definitely felt the the weight of the position of you know you know two Pulitzer winners beforehand. I'm this kid. That was untested, and I'm you know, believe me, I'm the one that's most critical of my own work, so I couldn't even look at most of my work when I started, and I'm still not happy with most of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, the pressure's always there, but I would I think the best part is I wanted to just be myself,
0: and that's gotten you a long way. You've know, you really accomplished a lot in what you know, almost 20 years here at the news now, right outside of canisius you were honored with the Pulitzer Prize in 2015, You know the highest honor anyone in journalism can receive. What was that like the moment you found out that you had won the Pulitzer Prize for editorial, or the editorial cartooning?
1: That moment was incredible. I'll always remember that. It's one of those few moments in your life that you will always remember. And in part because like, I did not expect it. So, um, you know, it was, you know, I was very young. I thought one day it would be amazing to accomplish this, but, um, you know, let's put it this way. Like a lot of journalists at some of these big papers, the Washington Post and New York Times, when they they think that they're going to get it or that, you know, they, they dress <laughs> like they might get a Pulitzer that morning. Like I did not. <laughs> um, and I mean, really, it was a few years before that I even started paying attention to the announcement of the Pulitzers. Um, I had been entering almost every year Um, with Margaret Sullivan's guidance since she was editor. And then um, Steve Breen, a colleague of mine in San Diego had been a a juror um, two years prior to me winning. He wrote me a message and he was like, Hey man, like you were really, your, your portfolio went really far. It was, you know, we were, you know, it got into, he didn't say which number, but like, he was like, it was considered. So he's like, keep doing it, keep doing what you're doing and pay attention. So, so I I tuned in, you know, starting the one or two years before to the to the press conference. And I re- remember vividly, like I know the cartoon I was doing that day. I knew what I was wearing, and I remember in my office thinking what it was like about you know four o'clock or um, the time they were going to announce it. I think it's three o'clock. Um, so I went to hit play on the press conference and there was like a maybe a five second delay i mean my feed was not maybe five or ten seconds my feed was a little behind what was what was happening so i put it on in the background and i started to ink my cartoon and i remember like hearing the voice of the administrator uh minister of the pulitzer um start you know going through the, the the prize winners and then i just remember hearing my phone just start buzzing And then, and then I hear like shouts in the newsroom. um, Like, just like, you know, I'm in the corner. So they're kind of muffled. I'm like, you know, something's either really wrong or something's really right. And, uh, and then I, and then I hear him announce, you know, on my computer, like my name. And after that, it just seemed like surreal, like this isn't happening. So like, it just was an, an adrenaline high. You know, I feel like, my i was like walking in sand you know like things were very strange (laughs) the world seemed very odd and i I remember telling um my editor like kevin walter i'm just like i I think i just want a pulitzer And, and i'm just the whole thing was just shocking so i walk walk out and like the whole newsroom is just kind of like marching at me it was amazing i just felt like you know it was like that that our you know, I felt such a part of the newsroom that we, we all wanted together. You know, i just felt like a part of this big family and it was this huge moment. It was so great to celebrate it with everybody. because I know there's a lot of people I've talked to that they were like out swimming or, you know, somewhere weird where it, it happened, where this was, I think, having it in the newsroom with my colleagues that I love, like I think it was just the best thing that could have happened. So and I made some kind of incoherent, impromptu speech, I'm sure, that was recorded. And embarrassingly put on YouTube, um, but no, it was it was incredible.
0: What cartoon were you working on when you found out?
1: I was working on a um, a cartoon on um, on it was it was on the environment on Great Lakes. It was uh, it had two fish that were basically decayed, and if you remember those um, little the, the plastic like micro um what are they called again now um microbeads Thank you. yes and uh so it was at the time that was an issue i I remember um the fish the two dead fishes fish were talking to each other um washed up on the shore and like the one was saying like you know these microbeads really do help exfoliate your skin and they were just this it was i i remember and i also remember um the cartoon that i had to do after that I don't know why I remember this was so specifically it was like a drone attack cartoon, and it's funny because I just after I gave the you know i you know the speech to my colleagues whatever i'm like i gotta finish my deadline so i I had to go back and spend an hour drawing, which was really hard to do but um I remember Joel Pett, one of the Pulitzer winning cartoonists I, I mean it i became I'm friends with a lot of these guys in in the industry, but after like winning. You kind of have this like closeness with the other cartoonists who have won and i started you know com- you know talking to them a lot more and joel pett who had won in Washington years years ago he's like i always i wanted to put a book together of everyone's cartoon the day after they won the pulitzer he's like because they would all suck because <laughs> everyone's distracted and no one can focus and i'm like i think mine would be okay i mean it's <laughs> but uh but it's it's a really funny concept yeah but no it was great um and uh, I'm just glad I got my deadline done afterward. And we we got a chance to afterward. We, you know, we went out as um, as soon as I told my wife, who was so excited, you know, we, she couldn't even get a hold of me because everyone's blowing up my phone. She, we were like, we gotta get gotta get a babysitter. So you know, first thing we did, we got a babysitter, and like we, we went out to our favorite place and got champagne. So it was it was great.
0: Great, a belated congratulations. I was not in the newsroom when you won the Pulitzer Prize, but I have to say it's. Definitely an honor to work with someone who has won, again, the highest honor in journalism. So congratulations, belatedly. Thank you. Now, you've had a lot of content to work with and interpret over the last 12 months. The, the presidential election, the COVID-19 pandemic, Donald Trump's final year in office, You know, even what's going on locally and regionally here in Buffalo and Western New York. Is it difficult for you to decide, you know, what to illustrate and what to comment on? Or does it come naturally? Or do you have days where you kind of vacillate in between those two senses?
1: Yeah, no, it, it's become difficult because um, I feel like an obligation to my readers to make sure, I'm, you know, I'm the cartoonist for the Buffalo News, so I wanna make sure I don't neglect issues in New York State and, and locally. And, and it's hard that lately, the last year or two, specifically, especially with the pandemic, these issues, these large, extremely important issues on the national level have eclipsed a lot of local stuff. Um, you know, I think any journalist can, can relate to the fact that like when, when there's these huge crises happening on either a global or a national level, people, readers only have so much attention span and bandwidth. And I mean, and I only have five cartoons a week. Um, with so much news happening, so I am always every cartoon is a is a choice between a hundred issues or you know five important issues or points that I can make, and I think that's a big part of what I do is figuring out what is important to comment on, and it's hard because I I just feel like the the, the gravity of the COVID nineteen crisis and its impact on everybody, um, along with the sort of historic nature of this presidency and what's been happening, um, I have an obligation to not ignore all these, you know, every day I have to make a comment on, uh, on those important issues. And sometimes add the cost is I'm passing over an opportunity to say something about something else. So I make a conscious effort every day to, to say, can I take a break from this? What else can I comment on? Um, and, you know, and, and change it up a little bit. So that's, you know, this is an ongoing conversation I have with my editors and it's definitely something that, um, that I, I deal with and struggle with every day.
0: Why is it important for a newspaper, for a journalism entity to have an editorial cartoonist on staff and to have this role in journalism?
1: Um, well, I think there's several reasons. Um, to have a cartoonist on staff or to support cartooning. I mean, if you think in the general sense, an editorial cartoon is, is a, it's visual, uh, it's a visual opinion and it's visual satire. And it's, in a lot of ways, the impact a strong visual can have is greater than the written word, or at least it's, it's different in its impact. And it can be, it can transcend, you know, language um, and it can communicate in a way that delivers an emotional punch and an intellectual, um, you know, stimulation as well. It provokes thought, it, it, it elicits a, a reaction that the written word cannot. Um, so if you look, you know, I mean, in, in, in that sense, it holds the line at freedom of expression in many ways. And an editorial cartoon, we can get away with that much more than the written word by, you know, depicting, our leaders in all kinds of ridiculous scenarios and uh, compromising situations, in order to make an important point. Um, and if we look overseas, cartoonists are often the first journalists to get jailed and and threatened with lawsuits and um, and attacked because you know dictators and authoritarian leaders that are um, you know they're just they tend to be very egotistical and. You know seeing their their likeness um you know ridiculed and depicted in an image um, gets under their skin much more than the written word because they know you don't need to speak a language to understand it and it's um you, you know the communication level is is powerful I mean look at like memes right now like they um, cartoons in a lot of ways are like you know the original like sort of um, meme it's like the meme is like a a boxed wine version of a cartoon you know i mean the like, cartoons are like crafted with uh, with layers of meaning and there's like character and um and, and it takes time to, to put them together and there's a lot into it and, and but it communicates so quickly and effectively on social media um, in a way that the written word cannot so all those things are uh, show how sort of powerful and important the cartoon is but on top of that if a local paper has its own cartoonist that provides a local personality and voice you know in addition to all that so um, a, a great cartoonist is really not someone who will you know hold a specific point of view um like you know always you know be predictable i think a good cartoonist will try to give often a voice to those who don't have it and, and defend sort of the little guy if if you will so having a local cartoonist will sort of it's sort of a defender of those who don't have a voice um in a lot of ways and that's when it comes to issues like social justice um and you know inequality cartoons can can really shine a light on those issues in a way um that the written word, you know in in a different way that can be more effective often than the written word
0: what is your favorite editorial cartoon that you have designed or your favorite topic or issue to illustrate?
1: I mean, this one's hard. It's like, it's like trying to <laughs> pick your favorite child. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a cartoon I did like in 2008. I think it was years and years ago. It was uh, it was it stands out in my mind because it was just so different. I I'm drawn to the really strong, striking visuals. Um, so I think it was like. Almost all ink, like all black. It was, excuse me, it was Donald Rumsfeld. Um, it was depicting Donald Rumsfeld. I think when he, I want to say when he, when he stepped down, he, um, I just, it was just like it was all black frame, and you, he was coming out of the shadows, and he was wearing a suit, so you could just see um, his sort of like the white shirt and the tie, and the tie was, um, the top of the tie was a little folded flag, and then co- uh, coffins with. Um, flags draped over them, like formed his tie. And and you could see this sort of like, sort of dark, you know, sort of caricature above. And it just had this emotional impact to it. You know, it was like a strong, strongly delivered punch. Um, I just, I love, you know, that visual juxtaposition and using, you know, creativity to kind of tell the story. So that I thought was, was one that stood out. But generally, I think like, um, uh, you know, social justice, Topics are, are my favorite to comment on because, again, like I like I had mentioned, it gives a voice to those who don't have it, or it gives a megaphone to those. Um, so I feel like I'm speaking for for people that need support, and, and it's almost like greater than myself. Um, and that's kind of what that's what kind of inspires me. So that's the issue I think that I, I enjoy the most.
0: Wow, that's that's it's very it's very noble that you've really made it that. The perspective of that, that you know you want to kind of fight for the little guy and think hey we need to give a voice to it, it makes me think of something we have in our newsroom a sign that says comfort the afflicted afflict the comforted that's something i found at the buffalo news we really take that philosophy very seriously
1: yeah um, that's one of my favorite mantras for yeah. sure
0: yeah it, it really struck me when i saw the placard in the newsroom when i think my first month working here at the newsroom. yeah yeah now we've talked a lot about journalism a lot about your background I'm gonna kinda of go off, you know, kinda of off the grain a little bit. We know you're a journalist, we know you're an editorial cartoonist, we know you've, you know earn the highest honor in journalism, but what is one thing that people may not know about you besides the fact that you know you're very accomplished in what you do? You know, it's something that people might be surprised to find out about Adam the person as opposed to Adam the journalist.
1: I don't know if anything about me is that surprising or interesting. Um Um, I'm just a regular guy, but I, I mean, I have, I love my hobbies outside of work. You know, I, um, you know, I love old homes and architecture and um, I've, we've renovated our second home and I, I love designing spaces like that. And now with COVID uh, my wife and I have been climbing mountains in the Adirondacks a lot. And we just, we, you know, she's inspired me a lot. And I, there's something about getting outdoors and in summiting like a beautiful mountain. And so that's something that's like a new, you know, exciting hobby. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I play guitar. Um, I'm just like a regular guy with, with, you know, with hobbies and kids. And, um, I don't think there's anything that unusual. I know Tom, he was always a an avid drummer and I thought it would be cool to jam together with him because I'm a guitar player. Um, or at least form a band like he did around here i think that would be cool journalists i know some of the other um journalists at the news a few of them play guitar uh yeah i mean i like to think that i'm just a regular guy so nothing nothing too exciting
0: (laughs) well i hope one day you know when we get through all of this with the COVID 19 pandemic we can see a jam session of buffalo news journalists i think that'd be a lot of fun it'd be really good for morale and just to get to know our coworkers better as well, too, to see them as people as opposed to just journalists that we work with. I know.
1: That would be great. Let's, yeah. let's have that as a goal in 2021.
0: Right. Well, Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me on the stories behind the news. I really appreciate it.
1: Sure, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, No problem. Mm-hmm.